it just doesn't finish, does it? It masturbates for a little while and then doesn't finish. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies, the podcast that at this point has watched so many Nolan films it's forgotten its own premise. Joining me, as always, is the man that would have loved to have been at Dunkirk had his sat-nav not taken him to Dundee, Sean Ferrick. Weirdly accurate. Hello, my darling. How are you today? I'm fine. Don't pretend like you know where Dundee is. And special guest joining us, the man that needs an introduction as much as the Enterprise D needs Deanna Troy at the wheel. It's Michael the Trek lad. That's uh, a wonderfully <laughs> backhanded compliment, that is. Um, I don't know to who, either. I uh, <laughs> I, I just passed 5,000 followers on Twitter, so you've got me until 20 past 8. Uh, Frank, my brilliant. media Frank. obligations of uh, <laughs> no, it's great. It's great to be here. I'm really looking forward to getting into this. I'm a big fan of the show, and uh, you, you both are. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think Sean can find Dundee. Um, no, but but would you want to find Dundee? Well, the thing is, he's just won a hundred pound because he bet that you would plug something to do with your social media activities in under a minute. And I had just over a minute. So you clocked in at about Michael, seconds. you are a sexy man and I appreciate that money. Thank you very much. That's cool. That's cool. Um, that's always, right. always, always happy you are help. right to look at us with that disdain, sir. You are right uh, to look at us. I got an actual little chuckle when I mentioned Deanna Troy as well. I, th- I think that joke, part of me hates that I made that joke because it needs to stop. However, I didn't notice it until my partner pointed it out because she was like, you know... Deanna's never sat in that chair before. And this was before the Enterprise starts to crash. And I was like, oh shit, let's just give it a minute. Give it a minute. Well, I mean, it, it, she she did get him out of orbit. That's, that's, you know, she did, <laughs> that's she true. Did, yeah. She did that yeah. one You're thing. She got him wrong. out of orbit. Yeah. Sorry, they decided to give her another go. And then, oh look, suddenly the scimitar was in the way. Yeah, view screen on. Oh, no. Deanna's and also, I mean, again. in the defence of uh, dear Deanna, I mean, she was also ordered... To ram the fuck out of that shit. It, we ne- and we never was. saw the return text message with us. Dear Jean-Luc, they're never going to let me forget this one. <laughs> Again. Right, okay, so bizarrely, this is not Generation slash Nemesis the podcast. Um, it's not? It's not. Shocking. I mean, we can. I will happily derail this and just cover those two. So the Nolan finale will be Nemesis versus Generations, which <laughs> bizarrely has just as much Tom Hardy in it. Mm, that's actually true. Well played. In fact, yes, maybe it is. possibly more, um, but markedly less Hans Zimmer. Um, yes. So, this is the Nolan finale. This is the finale that was so girthy we had to get an extra man in to help us deal with it. <laughs> um, we will have a deciding vote. Um, I already have a fear about which way this is going. But it's fine. We're all impartial. We're coming into this with open minds and open... Sean's, um, and but by the end of the episode, we will have a winner of what feels like a seven-month saga of critiquing and reviewing Nolan films. Um, it's been a journey, hasn't it, Sean? It has a bit. There was, there's been some surprises. Some were easy. You know, some were kind of fairly straightforward, but there was been some surprises along the way. Uh, Michael, did you obviously you were listening along the way? Did you find any of these uh, these rank? Well, we'll get to the rankings in a second. But did you find any of the decisions a bit like? What are these gentlemen doing? What are they on? Every week. Every week. But, um, yes. you know, I I am 
uh on the payroll secretly and uh so so when i appear i have to go yeah great great decisions guys but uh, no it's um there were i think the wonderful thing about you two and, and this podcast is that you know you have these different opinions and you're willing to go toe to toe to you know to, to share your opinions and you know we we're not all supposed to agree on the same things you know we, i think the one thing that we can all agree on together all three of us is that christopher nolan uh is one of the greatest directors well, he's definitely one of the best workers today and uh you know if you were to stack up all of the directors all of the great directors he would be in and among that great group so you know nolan is the g um, but, you know, he's made some films that have divided audiences and, you know, obviously we're going to go through some of those now. But I, I think, I mean, are you going to are you going to recap? Um, yeah, we're going to do yeah, a bit of a path. recap because at, right. the, at the end of last week, we did kind of take all of the, the runners up as such and where they where they ended up. Um, so how painful is it that we're not talking about prestige in the final? <clears throat> I don't I mean I don't think the prestige deserve to make the final. Okay, that's that's interesting. Um, I thought you might yeah. have fought quite hard for that. Yeah, no no, I I think I mean the finale is is you know, it's the best two Nolan films. You pick the best one. Um I don't think the prestige would be in the top 2. Um, I do think that I would have placed it higher than Sean's uh, What Culture list. Uh, go to whatculture.com uh, forward slash movies. Just for a Sean's. plugging uh, or, or just, just, just go to Just go to whatculture forward slash shit opinions. <laughs> and, uh, and then you would get uh, Sean Ferrick's uh, Nolan list. And just he a picture placed of the Sean Ferrick no, first. Just, everything I've ever written comes up if you were to put in that search. <laughs> hey, mate, it's, it's all in the titling. Don't worry. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> So there were some upsets along the way. There were some things that pained me, but let's do a quick recap for everybody. At number eleven, we had Insomnia. Any disagreements from that, Michael? Yeah, I wouldn't have placed Insomnia at the very bottom. What you'd have put it in like a negative, so like twelve, thirteen, and like, <laughs> no, just put some no, space between. You it. just left it off altogether. <laughs> no, because I, I, I think Insomnia in isolation is. Uh, I think it's a good film. Um, I, I think that. There are some early hallmarks of of Nolan's you know genius in there. Uh, some some great casting. Al Pacino, uh, a very kind of playing against the type. Robin Williams, yeah, um, not absolutely. quite as good as his turn in One Hour Photo, which is legit creepy as heck. Um, we literally but, agreed with that on the on yeah, the on the episode. Spot on. Totally yeah. agree with you, Michael. Yeah. If you're gonna um, watch Robin Williams be creepy, do it in One Hour Photo. Yeah, but I, I think he pulls it off here as well, although not just not not as well. Um, I, I, you know, the thing is, is it's not a Nolan. F- it was a film that he kind of had to make to get in with the people that were going to eventually allow him to make the films that he went on to make. Um, and I don't, you know, every director has to do that. Like, you know, um, uh, Stanley Kubrick had to make a load of movies before he started making the Kubrick uh, greats. I mean, I know he made Spartacus, but that was a movie that was kind of like he just he was a director for hire. And then if you yeah. look at That's Scorsese, his big number, isn't it? yeah. And if you look at Scorsese, you know he had to do the same thing. You know, and, and all of the great directors that we know, Francis Ford Coppola, they all had to make these kind of movies because they needed to get the clout to be able to make these films. Um, I think I w- I would probably put following as his 
you know, as his as, uh, last place because it is literally him coming out of film school, warming up, and it looks like a movie that someone coming out of film school would have made. It looks like a film that if you gave me six months off, <laughs> I could make something maybe <laughs> and a couple of people and six thousand dollars, you could do it. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. In fact, that's why it that has come number ten. So it was very close. for pretty much exactly the reasons you've said yeah. as well. The reason we we put it in higher than Insomnia is it's more original. Yeah, Insomnia. Yeah. It's it, and I know that I'm, I'm not damning all remakes, but Insomnia is a remake, whereas Following is original Nolan. Yeah, so I, think it's- I mean, I yeah, I would just say that just because something isn't original doesn't make it worse than something else. I mean, mm-hmm. some some original. I mean, Transcendence with Johnny Depp was an original movie, and that sucked. So <laughs> you know, just 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 because it's original, you know, just yeah. because it's not original, you know, Insomnia is, uh, is wasn't it a Swedish or Norwegian movie first? Norwegian. Yeah, yeah, um, and I've not seen the original, but I mean, a good example of this is uh, Scorsese's uh, *The Departed*, was a remake of the Japanese movie *Infernal Affairs*, mm-hmm. which the original's great, and the remake is almost just as good, just as good. Let's not talk about *Old Boy*. Let's not talk about Spike Lee's *Old Boy*. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, remakes can be good. It's a reimagining, isn't it? Really. Um, yeah, I think yeah. we we brought up how Psycho was just ridiculous. Like, why if you're going to remake it, why do it shot for shot? What oh, are you that, gaining um, from that? Was that That's Gus, the Gus Van Sant? Exactly. Gus Van Sant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Gus Van Sant did it because he could. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's not he, enough. Sorry, yeah. it, it was there an artistic merit in doing a shot for shot remake and. I would argue that if it is the though, example, then no, no, no the recent. Yeah. I, I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but uh, I, I think the sometimes pulling off something shot for shot, you know, I, I can understand what he was attempting to do. He wanted to prove that he could make something as well as one of the greatest people to ever make a movie could. Um, and, you know, from a production standpoint, it's like, it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. But it was like, like you guys, I was like, why? Why do it? Why? Yeah. yeah. What have you added to cinema? But, but, the answer, but his answer is because I could. Yeah bit indulgent so speaking of indulgent tenet came in at number nine um and i think if you're going to pick out nolan being self-indulgent tenet's probably the one yeah i mean we were talking about insomnia being the movie that you have to make to get the clout tenet is the kind of movie that you make when you've probably got too much exactly yeah where, where basically no one is whispering in your ear is this a good idea this doesn't you know, make sense it's it's nobody this. started a sentence yeah. um, chris yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement completely. I would go following Insomnia, then Tenet, uh, mm. as as we had on um, on my uh, on my live stream on my soon to be yeah. not award winning YouTube channel, <laughs> um, yeah. YouTube forward slash Treklad. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it massively disappointing, wasn't it? It was. It was. And if you want to see that full review. Go to that YouTube channel um, because we do it's, a pretty good takedown of it. It's a pretty good um, one, I have to say. It's, it's in-depth. We, we don't just crap all over the film for an hour, two hours no. nearly. It is because there are there are pieces of merit in the film. It's a Nolan film, mm-hmm. which I, I, I say that with no irony. There are There is something in merit in it. He's a very, very good filmmaker. It was just totally lost and jumbled and he, whatever he set out to do, he either didn't do it or he set out to do something with a script that just wasn't ready. He just—it feels like he forgot what he was going to do along the way. It's watchable, but it's not enjoyable. 
let me let me just quickly throw something at you though i have been listening to the tenet score on repeat since our chat and it is growing on me oh, so that's interesting a, yeah um from the brand brand new emmy award-winning composer yes uh, ludwig goranson yeah um but but i mean i i'm in agreement there there was just too much wrong with it i mean will it Will I, you know, could we potentially enjoy it on a few rewatches? You know, time can be kind. Um, I still think after a few years, it's still going to, it's not going to move from where it's at. Um, all of the other movies that come after uh, Tenet in this list, in this conversation, are just infinitely better in a number of ways. So when we were, we were kind of arguing a little bit about, it felt, harsh putting any of Nolan's films at the bottom until you realise you're comparing it against Nolan's best films and you kind of have to look at what's ahead and just think I can't there's no way I can put this ahead of that um, mm. and we <laughs> that does not apply to this next movie The Dark Knight Rises came in at number 8 now we've we've all collectively agreed this movie gets shit upon far too much I really enjoy it I love Tom Hardy's performance um I, I think the story overall is grand. It's great. I really like it. The The massive thing that bugs me about this movie is the sudden change of location. Batman and the Dark Knight are clearly in Gotham. I have no idea where the Dark Knight Rises is set. Well, Gotham, but they, they moved it's it from not, Chicago. It's not, is it? They moved it from Chicago to Pittsburgh. And, it's uh, just they not. Had a bit of, they had a bit of New York in there as well. No, I, I actually have that same criticism as well, because, um, you know, where did uh, where did the Narrows go um, mm. between uh, Begins and The Dark Knight? The thing is, is Nolan's just going to go, shh, don't think about don't it. Don't worry, it's fine. Don't try and don't try and understand it. You'll Feel like it. this better than Tenet, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think of the three of them, it's it tries to be the most action flicky of the three of them. I think Begins is a very very solid origin story. The Dark Knight is the Dark Knight, um, and The Dark Knight Rises. It's still a very good film, but I don't feel he was doing the Schumacher. Let's make some toys, but I do feel it was a bit like let's make this bigger and let's make a lot of boom boom go let's off. Let's get as many uh, name yes. checks in there as possible. Yeah, I do. A bit of that. Yeah, I feel a little bit like Nolan and crew knew that they were never gonna exceed the Dark Knight. They, and then they knew that. We knew that. We, I mean, anybody going in to see the Dark Knight is going, you know, oh, I, I can't wait to say that this is better than the Dark Knight. We're just saying that to probably impress their date. Yeah. Um, it was never gonna happen. Uh, I like the fact that they came back and they closed the trilogy out. Um, I you know as we were saying before coming on on air i don't really have many problems with the dark knight rises it's just clearly not as good um as you know its predecessors i like the fact that they tied it in with the origins in in um, batman begins funny yes. story the first time i went to see us at the cinema um i actually missed the liam neeson cameo uh, <laughs> and I, I came back from the loo and i was like i said to my mate what, what have i missed and he just looked at me because he, he knows that i love Ra's oh, Ghul, no. and he was just like he's like dude <laughs> And uh, what happened was, is I actually went back to watch it the next day. Oh, and I was like, no. I have, to, I had to go. Yeah, uh, incredible. You mentioned just but... like there in the cinema, just like losing his shit. Everyone around yeah. him is just like, shut up! It's like, no, he's gonna be so mad that he missed this. 
Yeah, um, he wouldn't let me forget. But to his credit, he came back to see it with me the next day as well. Oh, so we, good we, we man. watched it twice in two days. Good wingman. That's a um, But yeah, um, but Tom Hardy was fantastic in it. Everybody was solid in it. It, it just, you know, we, we talk about the ending being a little bit weak. There are some logic issues. There are some location mm. jumping issues. But I can overlook a lot of that. Yeah, it's, it's not the worst. It's not the worst. No, 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 no. Um, it's a... Uh... Again, because we're comparing it to Nolan. You'd you'd love those logic things to be tied up, but it's still better than a whole rake load of other superhero movies that are out there. It was still one of 2012's best movies. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, Beaten by Batman Begins in our list. I don't know if you agree with that. Um, I will watch Batman Begins any day of the week over Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Batman Begins, uh, and I think I said this to you when we were on our live stream, uh, kind of changed the way I looked at movies. Uh, It was a real eye-opener because he had this kind of blockbuster movie, but you had this director that was doing some really interesting stuff, not only in the storytelling, but the visual, the aesthetic, um, really gave Batman this incredible makeover. I mean, we knew that, you know, prior to that, Tim Burton's Batman was always, like, one of my favourite movies because, you know, taking the, the campy Adam West Batman and turning it into, you know, Frank Miller's dark, brooding, gothic, you know, Dark Knight um, did a tremendous job. I didn't think that you could do anything else with Batman. Christopher Nolan went and proved that you could, and uh, you know, really smartly written as well, um, and uh, fantastic performances by Christian Bale, and and also Liam Neeson is just mm. he's just know, electric in the entire. He owns that Rosal Gul. Um, there, are, there, are, there are some shots in this movie that you know. I, I, it's incredible how this movie is. You know, this was half my lifetime ago now, fifteen That's years insane, ago, which isn't is just it? insane. Yeah. But I remember watching it for the first time in cinema, and I would watch it like I would put it on right after this. And yeah. there are some shots that would still wow me. Yeah. Uh, all of the stuff that they filmed in Iceland was it in Iceland when they were filming the sword training? I think uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, it was just incredible. So crisp, so wonderful. Um, the the contrast between the the murky underbelly of Gotham. You know, a little bit CG heavy now, um, but really just I I love. I think it holds up though. I think the the CG in it really holds up. I don't think there's anything too too out there with it. Um, yeah, and it's kind of, just... it's kind of nice to see Christian Bale be a bit rough as well, especially at the beginning. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, there there are moments that still, just thinking about it, get my kind of, the hairs on the back of my neck going. Like, just the, the climax of the film is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the score, that. Hans Zimmer and James, uh, oh, um, James Newton Howard. Yeah. So good. Oh, my goodness. Just a brilliant score. Brilliant. And you know what? It didn't suffer from having too many bad guys. So it did have um, your, your, your mob man, Falcone. Falcone. It had Scarecrow in it. It's got Ra's al Ghul, the League of Shadows. To put all of that into an origin story, you might think you're absolutely bonkers, but it balances it beautifully. It does an absolutely amazing job of it. Mm. Um, So, in terms of balancing acts and tricking the audience into think they're seeing more than they actually are, The Prestige comes at number six on that dodgy broken segue. (laughs) Crash landing. Solid attempt again. Yeah, I tried. Um, right, I honestly going into this, I if I had to bet, it would have been Prestige in the final with the Dark Knight. Um, the more we've discussed it, the more I've rewatched it. It it's held up less and less for me, and I think we we mentioned this last week. 
I think it's because of Angia. It his character isn't likable enough, and he comes. He is such a big part of the movie. As much as we love Hugh Jackman, Angia is just a little fucking annoying. <laughs> well, I think that's kind of the point, though, because the thing that I like about the Prestige is that both men uh, are capable of doing some horrific things to each other and to other people by extension that the women in their lives pay the price mm. for their you know the rivalry it's, it's toxic masculinity the movie basically it, it really, you know, is. It really um, is you know where where the people around them pay the price for their rivalry it's all and uh, you know Angie uh, starts off as this good natured good intentions uh, this man forced into it because of the the action of you know, obviously uh What's uh, Christian Bale's character called? Borden. 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 And, uh, and, and yeah, they're both not perfect and they're both, you know, I, I would say that Angier eventually becomes the, the overall antagonist of the movie because you yeah, know, absolutely. find out uh, the truth of Borden. Um, do you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something on air because um, I am wrong very frequently and um, I would say that I don't think I can argue with putting the prestige in this place. Um, I, but the thing is, is, you know, it was funny because when Sean's video went out on what culture and, and after it got posted <laughs> on the website, uh, there were a lot of people Just a going, quick shout out as well to Marcus Bronzy. Thank you very much for taking some of the flack for me <laughs> by presenting it. See, see, that's, that's the thing that I've also suffered from now because people naturally think that because you're on screen reading out that they have your opinions. <laughs> they it's are like, your no, words. No, no, I endorse this, this message. It, this was Ferrick's fault. He wrote these words. <laughs> Fuck this guy. Um, but you'll never find me. <laughs> um, but um, but the thing is, is the prestige in this position, you know, looking at some of the other movies around it, um, when when you place the prestige in sixth on a Christopher Nolan list, it's a shame that you have to say, by the way, Christopher Nolan's never made a bad movie. I yeah. mean, he made Tenet. He made Tenet. But he made, he's never made a bad, a bad, bad movie. And mm. um, the prestige... Um, was my favourite film of the year 2006. I was absolutely blown away with it. I still absolutely love it. I will defend it. I think that it's really, really smart. Again, I mean, it's not like an, it's not a Nolan original. It's based on a book. Um, but I think that he made the movie his own. The casting is absolutely insane. Um, the music as well. Uh, I think David Julian. Yeah. Um, really, I'm not the, the easiest soundtrack to listen to in isolation, but... In, in the context of the movie, works absolutely brilliantly with the sound design. It might have been the start of Nolan's experimentation of mixing the sound mix with the score with what's going on in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that I took away from it. And, the, you know, it, I think it's a really, really smart movie. And uh, it's, it's one of those Nolan movies that, I mean, Nolan does this a lot. Please take my hand take this leap with me yeah and uh, and you do though you do because you've got david bowie asking you to take that leap and you're not going to say no to david bowie are you? of course not it's uh, it's a captivating story isn't it if it, it can be a bit clunky at times but you're there every single minute and it, it it hides just enough to keep you going and to keep you guessing and wanting more there's there's one thing in the prestige that still just gets me to this day though is um hugh jackman actually played that drunk version of angia Yes. Uh, the doppelganger. And uh, for like 10 years, I was like, that's not him. It's not him at all. They change him you know, just enough to make it Uncanny yeah. Valley, don't they? Um, but incredible. I mean, yeah. from, from the people that were working on the film and also to Hugh Jackman as well, who's incredibly versatile as an actor. And I think that this was the moment where mainstream went, wait, 
this guy is actually really, really good. He can do more than just Wolverine. He can do anything you throw at him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this film, it could just be called Disguise Motherfucker the Movie. <laughs> it really is. Like You have no idea who is who. Um, I love it. it again, it's, it's, one of the reasons we ranked it at number six is because it is just the movies ahead of it. You put them side by side. And I will watch all of the movies ahead of it first because of the memento. Um, because it's just a bit of an easier watch. Prestige is a little bit clunky. Um, it's a little bit heavy, but it is a spectacle of a film. Yeah, I mean, I don't find it clunky. I don't know what's I would clunky. Say, I would agree. I think heavy, I'd agree with. Not necessarily clunky, um, but... That's fine, you, you, can, kind you of, can both be wrong, it's fine. That's okay. I there are some Nolan films you can kind of stick on and you don't really kind of have to go, I am investing my time in this. Mm-hmm. And some you absolutely oh, yeah, are like, yeah. I am investing my brain in this. Yeah. I I would say that The Prestige is a movie that I wouldn't want to just have on in the background. No. You know, mm. you know when you have a, a special movie and you're like, okay, this is like an event movie for me. I'm not just going to whack it on. I've probably watched The Prestige maybe once every two years yeah. because I don't want to dull my enjoyment of mm-hmm. it it is you know it is not the expendables part two i'm not just going <laughs> to stick it on uh for netflix and chill um very different but, yeah it, you it, put it, on the expendables for netflix and chill <laughs> you absolutely crazy motherfucker my god what are you my, t- never mind this is the family my, show my, my my days of netflix and chill are, are long past me just ask trek wife trek wife nice um so yeah i mean Oh man! I mean, I just said Prestige was clunky. At number five is Interstellar. Oh, well, see, I mean, right. So you guys know the story that I didn't hire somebody because he told me that he didn't like Interstellar. Yeah, I didn't is... think you were going to say that on air, but yeah, no, no I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that on air, right? Okay, uh, I'm I'm a terrible human being. Uh, no, he was also just he didn't have the qualifications. Uh, but but the, 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 the final that is not what you were going to say. But you the went fi- with qualifications. Listen, mate, here is one olive branch. You have one opportunity to potentially progress to the next round. What did you think of Interstellar? Yeah, and he was just like, I hate it. And I was like, you can't hate anything out the door. This agency doesn't hire hate. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. No, I... So instead he found is... a career at what culture? And you've done quite well since then, haven't you, Sean? <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Not that you checked in with me, Michael. Interstellar is a special movie for me. Uh, it was the first movie that I went to see with my wife at the cinema. Oh, uh, and she absolutely hates science fiction. She hates Nolan and she hates three hour. She hates movies that are over 80 minutes. That's fair. Well, make don't, sure you don't hire her. Yeah, I, I don't know how. I don't know how, you know, we're about to celebrate six years together. I don't know how it's lasted, really. But uh, we she well, because she went and watched it. You know, and put up yeah. with me. Just literally sat there, like you know, when you get into a film, you literally sit forward, and you're doing like the the dick, you know, dickhead art director kind of like, mm, yes, I wonder what they can. Fascinating. Do. Uh, yeah, I did that for three hours, and uh, <laughs> she must have thought she was with such a douche. Um, but Still um, does. yeah, I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> she's not wrong. Uh, but yeah, Interstellar is special. I mean, just the fact that he had the audacity. To, it's an audacious movie. Yeah, it's got some balls. It's, it. it's a big original film in a way that we at the time were not used or had fallen out of the habit of getting big original films uh not a word against the likes of marvel and stuff but we had got kind of sequel after sequel we had got remake after remake and then along came this thing i remember the first trailer vividly i was like 
what is wrong with Matthew McConaughey? He needs a hug. Um, and especially because it was it wasn't long after Dallas Buyers Club, and you're like, he really needs a hug. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I, I, it was just it did it blow my mind. I think it blew my mind a little bit. Mm. There are some bits that you know on on second or third watch, okay, maybe they don't hold up, but. It's still an event film. Yeah. yeah, visually it blew me away. There is not a single scene in that film that I will not hang on my wall and just look at it. It's a gorgeous film. It is the most. None of us have seen uh, an actual black hole or a wormhole, but that is the most accurate representation I can think of of a wormhole. And we've seen enough Star Trek to see some dodgy attempts, but it, it just is so much thought and physics when went into this film. Um, it is breathtaking. Yeah. Oh, and one of the things that we were also talking about as well was the the moments in Nolan films that make the the hairs on the back of your neck stand mm-hmm. up. And and for me, spin, you know, spin, the, spin, spin, the, well, spin. the no the no time for caution docking sequence yeah. is, is up there for you know, some of Nolan's greatest visual moments. Um, you know, I remember it being so you know watching it in IMAX, and and the the, the whole experience was just so powerful. The reverberations coming from the speakers, what you're seeing in front of you, knowing that it was made by another human being. Uh, was was honestly tear-inducing, you know, in the best kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, goosebumps on goosebumps. Um, you know, it, you, you guys are right, though. There are some moments in it that, you know, don't quite make it the masterpiece that I guess he wanted it to be. Um, but it came damn close. Damn close. It did. How do you feel about really the whole did. man sequence? Because I've got a passion that you could cut out the, the, the Dr. Man, uh, uh, Matt Damon stuff. Almost entirely. I don't feel like it adds a lot to the film. See, yeah, it doesn't add that much to the film, but there are a couple of moments in that, you know, that Matt Damon briefly on screen, I thought was fantastic. And it's the moment when they bring him to and there were no words. He just Oh, he just cries. And he just cries. And it was just um, perfect. Yeah. Um, Never thought he'd see another human. Yeah. And that's why you put people like Matt Damon in in your movies and you don't tell the world about it. And and the fact they were able to keep that secret. I remember just being in the cinema. And (laughs) and thankfully, it was quite a quiet uh, theatre when I was watching it. And I was just like... But just the fact that in 2014, it's it's crazy that it's six years ago. The fact that you could keep a secret like that off of people like me who were on the internet all the time was just absolutely amazing. Um, I I liked. I would reduce it a little bit. The the kind of spiel that he goes on after he. kind of leaves Matthew McConaughey's character for dead is it's just a little bit like but he's clearly did, he's gone a bit yeah. mad he's gone a bit mad oh yeah definitely he, he he whatever marbles he had left has left him during the the years that he was yeah. he was left alone definitely. I think the thing that I'd probably reduce from the movie would probably be uh, it's a shame to say because it is part of the emotional core of the movie would I probably reduce some of that um, you know, we we know that Christopher Nolan makes cold, calculated movies, and he really tried to inject Interstellar with some heart. And I think for I think for the most part, what we got was success. Uh, was a success. Um, I feel sorry for young um, Timothy Chalamet, who was just kind of like, yeah, fuck, <laughs> off, fuck off, kid. Not really uh, given I'm, a huge I'm, amount I'm, to I'm do, just, was he? I'm just invested in my daughter here. Yeah. Um, mm. But the sequence where she's trying to work, I, I don't know, it's, it's hard because that's that's key to the story as well. Um, but it's a little bit dull. It is, it is. I mean, what I wanted to see is I wanted to see more 
um, space stuff, more time dilution and, and things like that. And yeah. um, I think for the most part we got it. Um, and and you know it's it's got a special place in my heart. But yeah, you know, would it have been in the final? No. The what the final thing I'll say about it though is is the again the advancements in Nolan's obsession with sound as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nolan's mm. uh, Hans Zimmer's score for Interstellar. I have no idea how it didn't win the Oscar. Uh, robbed, all. absolutely robbed. I com- that year, I I agree. He's been up for Oscars before where he deserved to win it and didn't, and he's been up for ones where he potentially didn't deserve the nomination. But for that year, he should have walked it. Yeah, I'm ju- I'm trying to remember what, what actually won. I think it was um, Alexander Desplat. Desplat. I can never uh, pronounce for, that. For for for. Uh, for oh, it's the grand, imitation game. Um, no, it was um, the Grand Budapest Hotel, which is a fine score. Um, but did it? it is, was yeah. it groundbreaking? Did it? You know. Well, you know. Part the Academy doesn't really like sci-fi and genre films, so I think it had its work against it cut out for it mm. from the beginning I'm, i mean the 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 nominees for that year the grand budapest hotel with alexander Desplat. uh he also was nominated for the imitation game which i can't remember a single note of that score. oh no it's okay I, i've listened to that one regularly enough i actually as i said i thought that one got it oh um, yeah um you've also got mr turner gary yershon i can't remember that one but i know that that was directed by uh, mike lee uh and then the theory of everything by uh johan johansson uh which is a good mm. score um but i would have given it to, to hans Zimmer. i think that's probably uh, and i'll probably catch some flack for this uh the second greatest score of his entire career uh, there's an argument to be made yeah. first i don't know i'd disagree mm. don't cut that's the first don't cut <laughs> don't cut it's very good. We talked about it. So, Michael, do you, do you agree? Is no, I think uh, Inception. <laughs> Inception's is his greatest piece of work. Okay, um, we'll discuss it in a, in a couple oh, of months. Oh man, I would absolutely <laughs> love it if that was the next segue, motherfucker. Would been great. Yeah. I mean, but rightfully <laughs> so. Number four is Memento, and I mean rightfully as in it isn't number three. So. Uh, this for me doesn't feel right. Memento is. The Memento's too high on this list. Um, it's my th- my my thoughts are well documented and recorded on this podcast. Sean, shut up, Michael. What do you think? Yeah, no, I I disagree with you, and I would uh, I would agree with its placing at four. I'm, I'm probably the, an easy guest here because so far I think this order, with the exception of um, following an insomnia. Um, I'm pretty much with you guys on all of these decisions, Um, but I do think that Memento deserves to be at the top. So I watched Memento after the dark, uh, after Batman Begins. So I was 15 when I watched Memento for the first time, and I think I said this to you guys when we first spoke about this. Uh, I became obsessed with this film, like this film. So the uh, Batman Begins. Uh, got me into looking at films in more detail and getting interested in how films are made. Uh, Memento was something I'd never seen before and completely just... I mean, I, I remember because I was working in... I was working at a supermarket. I'd literally just left school. I was stacking shelves in Budgeons Glamour, right? And uh, I was working with this guy who's gone on to become a really successful ink painter, uh, ink artist, and uh, he was like, dude go and watch this film. Have you seen Memento? I was like, 
no, what, what's that? What's that? He's like, you, you've watched Batman Begins, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, Christopher Nolan is God. And uh, <laughs> go and watch Memento. He's and the next wrong. day, the next day he bought me his DVD. He said, go go and watch that after the shift. And I, I went and I, I literally, because you know, sometimes when we're, now we're old and people go, oh, you should totally check that. And you go, yeah, 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 I'll check yeah, it out. Yeah. At some point, yeah, 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 at yeah. some point in the next but six months, I'll watch it be, and forget about being, it. Yeah, being a young 15-year-old kid who's basically just you know getting his first job, I was gonna because I wanted to get in with these this crowd. They're all older than me, and he was like, "Yeah, go and check this film out." Uh, just totally bowled me over. Just the it was. I cannot. It sounds a bit cliche to say that I'd never seen anything like it at the time, and I really I can't haven't. argue with that. You, it's. I don't think there's been anything like it since. Um, interestingly, I noticed that there is a Voyager episode that's very similar to Memento. This is where. Kess is going before and after, yeah. That's it, before and after. She's going backwards. I don't know if anybody can do a quick Google which one came out first, but that has a massive memento vibe to it. Um but in um, terms of cinema yeah, Memento was ninety nine, I think before and after would have been ninety seven. It's gotta be close. I think it's earlier. Um but it is it's not been done since and it's not there was rumours of a remake a few years ago. I don't think it's a movie that needs remaking. Please don't boiled um, my way but i can't deny that it's bloody original yeah well the thing is is not only is it original is it you know because the thing is is you know you could say transcendence is original which it is um I have a, what is your just, beef sorry, with transcendence are you thinking of transcendence because transcendence was directed by frequent cinematographer of christopher nolan wally fister yes right exactly cool. so when is that why it came to you because i was just like what what, what? what's transcendence what's ever done wrong? Transcendence? well yeah. transcendence is terrible transcendence is a really yeah, bad film yeah, it's not. um you know with really bad phoned in performances by everybody uh, and and really just is it would have made a good short movie um just but yeah when when it was uh, when they announced that wally fister was going to um, be directing it, I was like, "Well, he's learnt from some of the best filmmakers ever." <laughs> you so would this think. is, you know, um, how wrong we were. Um, but you know, Transcendence had this great original concept, and uh, from my recollection, it was told in a non-linear structure as well. Memento, the, just the way it is, because you again, it's a, it's another movie you kind of have to just go with for a certain yeah. period of time. And except then you're not going to understand it for a little while. Yeah. And then you get to that transition scene when the black and white merges into with the development of that Polaroid. And I was sat there, little 15-year-old Michael with my little Cheetos, and I was just like, what? What? <laughs> what? Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it became a movie that I had to just watch. And, and I didn't just re-watch it and re-watch it. I studied yeah. Memento uh, and really was, was a favourite of mine in, in my adolescence. Um, so I've got a big, you know, and, and also the performances as well. Guy Pearce is just absolutely fantastic. Really surprised that him and Nolan haven't worked together on anything else. It's well, weird, isn't was it? Actually, it's kind of like a one and done. It's very odd. We were, yeah, yeah we were talking about this uh, on the episode. Um, now the bloody film's gone out of me. No, no, Four Begins. Um, they met to discuss the role of Raz Al Ghul. Right. And they both kind of went. He was too young for that. He did. He didn't have the presence for the part. Mm. Obviously, that Liam Neeson has. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I mean Nolan is well known for working with uh, a regular, you know, a, a stable of actors. Uh, although you know you kind of do think about it, there are p- 
people that he works with and then he hasn't worked again with again for years so um yeah i would have you know i think guy pierce in another nolan film would be uh i wouldn't i wouldn't be mad i, yeah, I could have i could have easily seen him picking up one of the roles in inception um, mm. which is our number two movie. Man, I'm getting good at these segues. Um, so I think... Number three, motherfucker. Number three. Oh, number three. Our number I'm three sorry about him, movie. Michael. I, every week there's something. There's something yeah. like this. I'm just glad I haven't accidentally reviewed the whole of The Dark Knight Rises. I think you put too much pressure on yourself, Galactic Dave. You do it... I mean, it's... It, we all fuck up when we're doing podcasts. That's the beauty of doing podcasts. <laughs> That's true. You it's all fuck up when you're doing podcasts. You know, you gotta, you got to give yourself a bit of a break. Yeah, at least we don't fuck up when we're writing articles. So, number three... Oh! Inception. <laughs> So Inception, I think, is a is a rightful number three. Um, I would have liked to see it in the final, but it, number three is the right place for it. Why Why do so, you love it, Michael? Because I know you love this movie. Well, I, I just want to say that I think that there's a strong case to be made that if you were to put uh, your number one of a Nolan ranking, if you were to put The Dark Knight or Dunkirk or Inception or Interstellar or uh, Prestige or Memento, all at number one, I would go, yeah, I'm not going to argue with any of that. That is how good, you know, this... The top you know, tier the, is, the, yeah. The top tier mm. of Nolan films are, because if, if any ranking was to say that's the best one, I'd go, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you at all. Um, I have seen many, many lists put Inception um, at the top of their lists. Um, I would say that of all of the Nolan movies, with the exception of uh, the Batman ones, of all of the Nolan originals or adaptations, Inception is probably the most popular with mainstream. It's the enduring movie. It's the one that, you know, if you go to any guy or girl in the street and say, give me a, you know, a Nolan movie, and if they don't say Batman, they'll say Inception. Mm. Um, really just entered like the pop culture zeitgeist and, and rightfully so um, just an absolute I mean this is the perfect combination of blockbuster popcorn tentpole summer movie and the most pretentious art house movie you can think <laughs> of um, you're and, not wrong but it was so seamless that people munching on their popcorn couldn't even tell that they were watching high concept sci-fi yeah. high concept art house movie um, and, and it was just absolutely spectacular. Almost every conceivable piece of this movie is just mwah, chef's kiss. Uh, the performances all stack up. Um, you know, even the supporting performances, even the tiny little cameos um, are just absolutely gorgeous. Um, the little nods to the cinema that had come before it were just absolutely beautiful to watch in the cinema. Uh, Hans Zimmer's score, like I said, I think it's his best score Wob. because, um, well, the, the Wobs were, were not him. They were in, you know, they were put in the trailers by the marketing. Uh, mm. Zach yeah. Hemsey, who wrote yeah. that music that you're the thinking wobs. of, that fantastic trailer music, <laughs> mind heist. Uh, actually, it's funny now. So the score for Inception, structurally, it's phenomenal. It's a the whole thing is a massive breakdown of Edith Piaf's uh, non generatorien. I hope I got yep, that right. I'm glad my... that you pronounced it. I'm glad you did. Well, he pronounced it much better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in and it's fantastic. I it suits the film perfectly. The time is one of the oh my spine tingling finale pieces yep. of music. Yeah. That I think has been committed to film, and I'm, I'm sure we'll all think of examples. But it is—it's—it's it's wonderful. Um, I have twice gone to see the same Hans Zimmer concert 
both times he finished with that, yeah. both times it had the same reaction oh, from so the audience. Good. Just I that's mean, it, how good it was. It's his signature piece now. Time is his signature yeah. piece. It, it's something he'll probably always close out his performances with. That doesn't make it necessarily the best, but I, I, I mean, the reason I say it's the best is because the score, um, holistically, is just absolutely from from opening note to closing note uh just a wonderful piece captures the action really really good captures the introspective uh notes you know when when cobb is kind of you know questioning existence you know it's a very emotive score um and i love the combination of traditional orchestra with uh you know it was kind of like the height of his electronic experimentation and uh you know just perfect it really is a score yeah yeah it's the if you give me the whole list it's the movie that i'll pop on um and i think that's true for a lot of people you nailed it earlier when you said that it's the most populous movie but i think most people will still say if you ask them do you understand it completely they're like fuck no no i don't have a the last half an hour is completely dead to me i have no idea but it is still enjoyable you can watch that film not understand probably 25 percent of it and still have a damn good time see that that's an interesting thing because i mean the first time i watched it i there were things that i didn't fully understand the second time i watched it i understood a little bit more i could watch it now and i'm quite confident that i understand most of what's what's happening um i wonder though and this is something we were talking about recently with tenet is that going to happen with tenet i don't think so because i think that there are some things the invisible army for example you know you can't you can't you know. Because I was old enough to old enough when I watched Inception to acknowledge that I didn't understand that, but holy shit did I enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Tenet. I didn't understand it, didn't really enjoy it. So I'll revisit it because morbidly I want to see if I can understand it more, but I haven't got a yearning for it. Well that's that's the thing but that's that's what separates you from, from most, you know, of those, you know, toxic people out there that are going to go yeah bro i totally got it i totally understand it if you don't if you don't understand it then you're giving it a bad rating are you that's, watching that's the ob- movie oh my god well, I mean, if it helps bros i totally understand it it's yeah shit. They, it's not shit they, it's not they, but, but they're also giving they, you that like cunty nod is it like yeah you didn't understand <laughs> it bro is that why you give it a two star it's like no 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 it's totally fine to say you didn't understand something you, jerk off. Uh, you know yeah and uh you know inception is one of those movies that you don't have to understand all of the science that they're attempting to tell you no. um because there's enough on the screen to enjoy whereas tenet struggled to give you the justification for sitting in the cinema for 150 minutes yeah it's, um, it's one of those concepts that i think is almost ununderstandable because it's the time is so timey-wimey uh, whereas this is just it's it's levels of dreams and there's maths behind it so you spend yeah. an amount of time here and it's amount of time there if you can yeah. get your head around the maths it's understandable the time reversal shit doesn't make a damn bit of sense at all yeah. fuck fuck tenet fuck that but we're not here <laughs> so for that 45 minutes later what we are here for is to decide between the dark knight and Dunkirk, which is the better Nolan film. Completely, what shall we do for the rest of the minute? Com- completely objectively, there is going to be. There's no subjective nature here. One of these is objectively the better film that is more worth watching. Um, and I'm not going to show my hand as to which one I want. Although, you've, if you've listened to any of the episodes, you'll probably know. 
Michael, what are your thoughts on both of these movies before you give us... Um, no, well, we're going to do like kind of the Oscar breakdown kind of thing. That's what we've done for the other episodes, yeah. Yeah, we'll do like best best individual, which one has the best performance, which one has the best okay. score, which one has the best direction, so on and so on. But gut instinct on both films, how do you feel about them? Well, lucky enough to both uh, to watch both movies on like day uh, night one on release day. So um, you know, Dark Knight was massively anticipated. Uh, it was you know the movie event of the year. You know, being, oh, without a doubt, being so enamoured with Batman Begins as well. I remember that a big group of you know me and my friends we we went and watched it. We went to the pub before, so warm fuzzy memories because I you know I just turned eighteen as well. So it was one of the early forays into the pub legally, my you know an, an <laughs> early foray into the pub where where you could actually go and order a beer and go hey look I'm not trying to fake it. Do you have um, ID? Yes, I do. Yes. Or, there more you disappointingly, go. they don't ask for ID. I was like, you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna ID. Oh, me? They, they would. They, they, this was a few years before the beer turn turn up. So uh, they were definitely asking me for ID all, all, all the time. But they yeah, really, really excited about it. We were talking, you know, about... Because we, you know, the early days of the internet, we had seen these trailers. We'd seen the IMAX teaser, you know, the, the heist scene. So um, I actually thought that the heist scene would take part, take place not at the very beginning. No, Because I thought same. that they would... Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so mm. to have that kind of open... Um, I should also say that I'm a huge fan of Michael Mann's Heat. Um, I think that that's one of the best crime action dramas uh, of all time. And, and that man, if you ever want to burst people's eardrums with hyper-realistic shootouts, mm. um, I mean, <laughs> it's an amazing film, Heat. And uh, straight off the bat, I mean, the Heat vibe is felt with The Dark Knight. So, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely loved The Dark Knight watching it. And, and I don't want to show my hand too early, as like you said, but went in and watched Dunkirk again, opening night. And uh, literally sat in my chair with with my fingernails, you know, like literally piercing the the plastic. It is um, the fingernail shredding movie, isn't it? It really I, is. You know, um, I what well, I I bought a medium popcorn, um, and drink. <laughs> you know, you get one of those meal combos, right? Okay. Did and, you just uh, like shake you, it all over the floor? No, just well, out well, Trek. Trek wife could come on the podcast and attest for this, but I didn't touch either my drink yeah. or the popcorn for the entire movie. It doesn't feel right I was just, eating through the film, does it? I, well, I was so engrossed. It wasn't like for a, a, a lack of want. You know, I like popcorn. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm a big guy. I'm rotund. I like drink. Um, but I just couldn't. I was so engrossed in, in, in the moment in the movie uh, you know and when I when, when you know when you finish the movie you kind of literally have to peel your fingers out of the armrests yeah. uh, and I sat there for the whole credits just going and I that Dunkirk was a movie that when you get to the end I actually wanted to clap doesn't happen very oh, often. Oh, I could Wanted not agree clap. more. It really yeah. is. It's yeah. it, the 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 just to hijack you completely. The the way that he says Churchill's speech and the way it's delivered is so monotone and so well acted, and then cut, mm. and then back to him just for a last bit of release. Any any chance of that being cheesy is removed by coming back to his face and just the relief. And then during yeah. the credits, you're just like. And breathe, and breathe. We made it. It's also it's also Nolan's. Uh, he he has this knack uh, of nailing the final shot. Yeah, he his, sticks his, the landing on most films. Oh yeah, with the exception of Tenet. Um, but you know, almost his entire filmography. If you look at the last shot, I mean, my favorite probably is 
is probably still Inception, but the prestigious final shot is just a proper... <laughs> yeah, that uh, is. Yeah, you know, Memento's is. final um, shot. Um, Memento's... Now, where was I? You know, with with a bit... Of, was it Bowie that plays over the end as well? It's just... Yeah. Uh, it's really good. Dark Knight, you know, Dark Knight, and then that kind of ends with the motorcycle. Um, oh, you know, that final... is so good. The hero we e- need, not the one we deserve. Even the final shot of uh, The Dark Knight Rises. I love the, that, I have to say. With yeah. the platform, oh. absolutely amazing. Even Batman um, Begins, which ends with just a massive Joker teaser. It's like, it, we're yeah. in the universe now. We're in the Batman universe. Yeah, uh, and also, you know, Interstellar with um, uh, Anne Hathaway just walking towards, you know, in this, like, the new... The habitat. With the, yeah, with, with the with the narration over the top. It's just mm. brilliant. Um, you know, um, fuck Tenet. And, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I can't but, remember how Tenet ends. He's in a car. He's in <laughs> a car, just, I think. It's a they real walk- damp squib for Nolan, for films, but particularly for Nolan. It's a very damp squib. It just doesn't ending. finish, does it? It masturbates for a little while and then doesn't finish. <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, I mean Dunkirk's uh, final shot. I was kind of hoping that the final shot would be um, the burning plane and Tom Hardy, the back of Tom Hardy, because that's a very Nolan-esque yeah. final shot. But I, I do absolutely love the the fate of black, then the return. It's inspired. Yeah, I, yeah. I haven't it's seen a- that in any other film. Um, no, it, it it's feels it, it it feels like it's almost for a movie that is in a way very. I'll say patriotic, whether you agree with me or not, and it's you know this massive success, even though it was a defeat. Um, and then if you had closed to black on that picture of Tom Hardy's resiliently, you know, he's not letting the technology fall into the hands of the enemy, he's taking away his point. But then it doesn't. It goes back to the lone soldier who's the one who has to continue this war. And I thought that was very very good because it it robs the film. I feel very deliberately of that majestically we're gonna beat yeah. the odds kind of an yeah. ending. It's because yeah. it's and not I, that I, at all. I saw it as being very intentionally um, uncertain mm. um, because they didn't know what the perception of them was going to be when they came back to the country. Uh, they were both expecting to have things pelted at them. You know, you know what the fuck you done, you losers, and all this kind of stuff. And um, it actually reminds me a lot of um, a moment in Deep Space Nine. Um, not not the same kind of meaning, but it's the moment when Ben Sisko holds up the glass to toast in in the pale moonlight, and he's yeah. like, "I can live with it. I can live with it." Almost like he's kind of like having an internal yeah. debate with mm. himself, and it's almost like the lens is going right. Is this a hero? We're going to fade to black. Then we're going to come back on him. Just, you know, is he is he really the hero? That's kind of what I took from it anyway. And I just I love the uncertainty of it. Um, and yeah, it's it's a it's an end shot. It's a final shot that I've never seen yeah. before. It's them yeah. coming home isn't about the glory and the hero's welcome necessarily. It was you survived. That's all we needed. We didn't need yeah. you to do anything. Well, survival is victory. Was um, survival is victory. Was yeah. yeah. Um, it was it was on the poster. I think it was in the trailer. Survival is victory, yeah. and uh, it is a patriotic movie because it is uh, you know it speaks to the will of the British people to to get the army back. You know, and uh, some of the moments in the movie are very emotional. You, know, you were we weren't even there hmm. when it happened, but you know I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it. Well, this sure this is one thing just to. I suppose to re- at the risk of repeating myself I said to Ian on the episode it does a fantastic job of turning 
what was a calamitous military defeat into a rousing story of hope. Yeah, I think it does I mean, a fantastic it... job of that. And uh, community and camaraderie. I mean, who doesn't get a feeling right there when the civilian boats arrive? Oh, oh God, man. Yeah. I, whatever you feel about... Maybe... I don't think it's too patriotic at all, but whatever you think about maybe the cheesy element of it, how can you not just stand up and just let them take a bow for what they did crossing the channel just like yep all aboard no prep we're going we're going to help our boys you can't commend it enough well there are just there are just unfortunately we do live in a time now where people do kind of mix up being patriotic with being racist and that's an entirely different conversation for an entirely different podcast it is, and there it is, is, a, is, a, val- is a valid point and you're right because it has it has taken on uh, a somewhat negative connotation to be patriotic when at its core it's just to you know honor yeah. one's country see the thing is is i don't consider myself i actually consider myself to be british when people go oh you're from england so you're english i go no i'm, I'm actually british because i have um i have scottish um grandparents um and there's a bit of irish there there's a bit of welsh i consider myself to be a product of uh, the great british islands um and uh you know but i i don't consider myself to be utterly patriotic i mean i tend to switch between you know where i'm depending on where i'm at and what my mood is um but you do feel a sense of pride coming from this this country this region in the world for for what people did back in those days and you know the the storyline uh i i mean i don't know if you call it the b plot but um having mark rylance's um what was his name, Mister Dawson? Mister Dawson. Um, yeah, what, yeah. I can't remember the, his the, name. Yeah, they're the um, you know, the the pleasure boats. Um, you know, in the story with him and um, his son and yeah. uh, his son's friend, and and also getting um, Killian Murphy involved in really compelling stuff. Uh, and it's the tragedy, you know, the sacrifice of that young man as well, you know, being killed in that accident. Oh. Um, and and it's like uh, you know what was the moment i think it's uh i think it's actually said by harry stars as well he's like he's 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 uh he's dead mate and he's like well be bloody careful with him yeah, yeah and, uh, that's it it's harry Styles that is moving him out of the way and your man up on the top deck is just like oh yeah. be careful and it's like he's dead i was like well yeah be careful, be careful. and they yeah. all do they all tiptoe around him after that yeah and uh, and also you know the fact they never tell Killian Murphy exactly what happened as Which well is beautiful. He's, so, he's so shell-shocked yeah uh, that you know he just did not want to and, and I think that that more than any of the diving bombers and that wonderful shot with the with the lineal uh, bombs going off on yeah. the beach oh, and yeah. that final bomb just misses him it's absolutely oh. incredible um, you know, shout out as well to Hoyt Van uh, Hoytma. Uh, the, the cinematography is just <laughs> stunning. Mwah! Um, but yeah, so much, so much to talk about with Dunkirk. And I think a lesser movie would have punished Killian and said, "You know what? Yeah, you're a coward, and you killed that boy because of it." But it it surprises me every time when he turns to him with such compassion and says, "Yeah, it'll be fine." Acknowledging that he's gone through enough, he doesn't need this on his conscience as well. No. He's I, going to be dealing with enough. I, what what I took from that, which again I love about it, is I took that he knows they didn't need to tell him, they didn't need to say anything. He's already oh, built his well. own hell because of what yeah. he's been through, and now because of what he's been through, he is responsible 
however directly indirectly for the death of this young man yeah and that's just something yeah. else that's going to weigh on his conscience i don't feel to be very depressing for a moment but i don't feel that that character was alive for much longer after he got home and i think that's again what they yeah, try to show yeah. without necessarily i think you know as you said a lesser film you might see his hand reach for the gun or he might step yeah. off the boat i it's all there in what the i yeah, the way I see Dunkirk is, you know, Saving Private Ryan is just a tremendous war movie, and you know the 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 Omaha beach sequences are, you know, they'll, they'll probably always be the most intense war sequences ever yep. uh, in in movie. But it's the opening shot of Tom Hanks's hand as he's going to open the canister, and it's shaking uncontrollably. <sighs> Dunkirk is that for an hour and forty minutes. <laughs> it is just hold that. my beer. Um, yeah, it, it is literally all the way through. But, you know. It's um, but it, also the dealing with the effects of war on humans. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not supposed to be in prolonged situations where we're trying to kill Absolutely each other. Not. We're definitely not supposed to be on a beach for a prolonged period of time where we're just being shelled. Um, you know, and it's the hopelessness of the situation being pelted with leaflets saying "We surround you." You know, the Blitzkrieg movement is coming to get you. You are doomed. You're going to die. Uh, you know, even the senior officials, even the senior members of the army, like you can see it. What home? They can see yeah. the cliffs. Tantalizingly close. You know. And it's the scene in the trailer, and uh, I remember watching, I think it was the first trailer for Dunkirk, absolutely just chilled me yeah. to the bone. And it's the shot of that guy just jumping in the sea. He's just <sighs> taking off his gear and he just jumps into the sea to try and swim home. And it's just like, jeez. <laughs> it's rough because you just see him swim, he starts swimming, disappears, and then it cuts to Fionn. Yeah. Uh, whatever his name is um, yeah him just yeah. like I ain't even gonna watch this oh, and, and it's almost like I mean they're sat there despondently like they've seen that done a lot not surprising it's, it's like almost like yeah, yeah I, I feel for your brother I probably would do that as well but I'm yeah. not but it's quite also, there it's, yet it's that shell shock soldier uh, you know he, he's not doing it he's not you don't see his face, no. but he dives into that water like the water is a release. Yeah, it's an escape. One way or another, this is it. This is it. Yeah, it, he's either I'm gonna die on the beach or I'm gonna die in the sea. I'd rather die in the sea. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just really, really powerful stuff. And uh, Dunkirk was a, a very, very powerful experience. And and I would say that uh, did you guys watch 1917? Mm. Yes, we um, couldn't help but make a parallel to 1917 as well. Yeah, and and I think that's. I think that's fair. I would say that I was pleasantly surprised with what Sam Mendes did. Mm -hmm. I think it was very different uh, to this movie. Um, thematically similar with the importance of time and things like that, but I still really, really enjoyed that. Um, I would say that it didn't get me anywhere near. Nope. No, not it. Done. There was a couple of scenes that got me there and a couple of scenes that had my anxiety going, but it didn't sustain it. I am... No. I don't know how Dunkirk sustains the anxiety throughout the entire film. Um, I don't particularly want to know either. I would say a large part of it, and we, we've discussed this, is, and Michael, you touched on this as well, is Hans Zimmer. And it is... It is the score. It's, it's the score. It it's, the, it's the use of the... So I, I, I knew nothing about this before watching the film. Uh, the Shepherd Tone. It's, uh, so the Shepherd it's Tone. layer yeah. upon layer upon layer. And... 14 double bases what was actually so it always sounds like it's getting higher and higher in pitch when in fact it's not it's just yeah. accelerating oh. and also which is a lovely segue it's the exact same technique they used for the bat pod 
in the dark night because they never yes. wanted it to sound like it was changing gear they never wanted it to sound like it was stalling or anything like that they just wanted it to sound like it was accelerating which i'm using as a segue to move into the dark night well so i yeah i do want to i do want to say quickly one thing about hans zimmer score is is i mean the dunkirk score is just brilliant is. and i love the use of nimrod slowed yeah. down a little bit as well Very um sub, submarine's absolutely brilliant in the way it uses the shepherd tone um but the the piece on that that just gets me is actually the track home um which is literally like listening to a factory in operation for eight hours and then the final bit is like the horn to say everybody can go home um and and then it kind of goes into nimrod um my word my word watching masterful yeah and in listening to that i mean i I think we were joking on a on a previous live stream where we were like yeah you want to get work done listen to dunkirk score Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you've got a deadline that will get you there (laughs) That's how I get 58 videos in a day done. Uh, and, um, but it's just, I mean, again, you know, how um, Hans Zimmer and Christopher Nolan were able to get that marriage of sound and music. Yeah. They're almost competitive in how on the edge of the seat they're going to make. You're just trying to one-up each other. Um, it's yeah. absolutely genius. So let's, we've, I'm, I'm glad we've gushed a lot about Dunkirk. Um uh, let's actually let's pick some categories and try and get a definitive winner here. So the score, which way do we go on this? Oh, oh the, um, the, I think we're going to have a lot of pauses as well during this because they are it's so close. So on sound, uh, so on, sound on, and score, go, sound and score, the whole yeah. th- the whole lot, yeah. It's Dunkirk for me. It's Dunkirk. And I love I, I listen to Dark Knight or Dark Knight. Oh, now you've got me doing it. I listen to Dark Knight <laughs> quite a lot. I do I, yeah. I really, really, really like that music. But if you were to look at the the construction of the composition, the Dark Knight is a more enjoyable listen. Dunkirk mm. is a better put together Technically it's better suite of yeah. music. And it's still good there there are there are some scores that are technically wonderful but hourly awful and this is not that this is hourly great and technically great yeah um yeah it's difficult but i mean you've you've got your majority there because whatever if i said the dark knight i'd be outvoted so that's that's fine so we've got dunkirk winning this um but i i do think that the score for the dark knight was sensational it was um and um it was all, i was i was disappointed that james newton howard didn't come back for the dark knight rises and it shows it feel like yeah it, it was missing something you know and james newton howard was the person responsible for the softer more uh, luscious tones um the the love themes but also the 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 penultimate piece of the um of the score that was yeah, the, the original score not the extended was uh, was the track watch the world burn which is harvey dent's uh, theme. It's the piece mm-hmm. of music that plays uh, right at the end when they're tossing the coin, and it's the bit with Gary Oldman. It's like promising his son, lying to his son that everything's going to be all right. Um, and um, watching that in the cinema, and you're just like, oh god, um, really, really tense. You know, almost as tense as anything that you saw in Dunkirk. Yeah. Uh, the Dark Knight Suite, the 16 minute kind of um, piece as well. Absolutely incredible delicious it's a masterpiece it's another nolan uh hans zimmer masterpiece um but yeah i'm if you were to mix the sound in as well 
and and you know a big part of what makes dunkirk work is is the sound um because you know the the shrillness of the bullets the guns going off the bombs going off the engines on the planes the, the engines the fact that you can literally taste the oil and you can hear men chug, swallowing chug, chug, this chug, 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 chug. you can hear them swallow oil yeah. and water and drown and um the lack and, of sound uh, when the spitfire cuts out yeah when when they stick their head underwater mm. and and you know you can feel the flames in the sound um yeah dunkirk wins this and uh the score as well is i mean i find the score to be very very enjoyable to listen to in isolation um i don't know what that says <laughs> not me uh, i like to get stuff done yeah I, I mean but but when you get to the more emotional part you've got the nimrod and then you've got the the variation 14 and, and the end credits is just this uh, release release, release. It's um, masterfully so, put together. So yeah, I, I think that's uh, I think that's score free for Dunkirk. Yeah, I mean, I love the, uh, the what Dark Knight does really well is that it, it does have a theme. It has Batman's theme, Joker's theme, Harvey Dent's theme, and they tie in together extremely well. Um, it is just we're talking about number one and number one A. Hmm. They are so so close. It's almost not worth defining which one's better because they, yeah. they have to do different things as well. So the next kind of category we're looking at is, I think it's going to be a bit of a walk. It's performance. So it's individual performance if we had to pick one from both films. Do we even pretend it's not Heath Ledger? Uh, yeah, I mean, I part of me when I was younger kind of... I, I didn't dislike The Dark Knight. I love The Dark Knight from the moment I watched it. But I feel that a lot of people... I, I feel like they let the death of Heath Ledger overshadow and and get in the way of true um, critique of this movie. I feel like because he died, he it became critic-proof. Um, you know, and, and this film became something completely different. Yeah, um, it definitely put a different edge on the film. And it yeah. definitely increased the hype going in as well. Because I'm glad I remember somebody hearing... said it, because it's terrible. It is easily the worst Batman <laughs> oh. film. Um, and I, no, I no, wanted but, but, Cesar Romero myself to play please. the Joker in this film. I think my point is, though, is uh, and and I I've always stood by this that I don't think I think if Heath had uh, not died, uh, and and everybody wishes that I wish Heath was still around making movies, but I think if Heath had survived, um, I don't think he would have won the Oscar. And now, okay, so that I agree with because the Oscar loves the Oscars love to do shit like this. Um, I. St- Sorry, carry on, Sean. I just, I'm because I'm not disagreeing. I feel he deserved it, but yeah. he might not have got the recognition. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's again, and what I am going to do here is I just want to to highlight. So we've got best. So we actually won best supporting mm. actor. It wasn't best Correct. lead. Yeah. Um. So I actually thought it was best lead. Um, no, it couldn't be. It's, no, it's there's it, there's some sort of uh, criteria. I don't know whether it's minutes in the film because. No, Actually, it's, Hopkins it's got not, 18 you, minutes, so it's it's just whatever you have to way submit it. Yeah, you have to submit it before you have to submit your actor for whatever lead. So if they'd have submitted Heath Ledger as lead, then yeah, it would have been done. But he was submitted as best supporting. Yeah, so I mean, he beat he beat Philip Seymour Hoffman from Doubt, uh, and that that's an incredible performance. Uh, yes, it is very good. Michael Sh- Michael Shannon from Revolutionary Road. I haven't seen that film in a long time. I remember that being good. He also beat Robert Downey Jr.'s brilliant Kirk Lazarus from Tropic Thunder. Uh, <laughs> which, <laughs> brilliant, but not Oscar worthy. 
I, 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 the fact that that got a nomination just <laughs> shows bizarre. you where we where we were in the world in 2008. I don't um, get out I, of character until after the credits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the dude that's playing the dude that's disguised as the other dude. Suck my unit. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I think I think with that in mind, I think you know. Yeah, I think Heath Ledger deserved to win it given the competition he was up against. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was actually getting confused because I, I actually thought that this was, he was going up against uh, Javier Bardem. Um, oh, what, in No from, Country for Old Men? Yeah, I, I for some reason I thought that... Oh, it's no, no chance him. in hell. That's a far better performance. Did he, yeah, sorry. So he I, no, spoiler, I, I haven't seen it. I know, it's on my list. It's on my list. Oh, mate. Did he what, win that not film seen No now. Country for Old Men? Jesus, get off the podcast You right can't work now. for World Culture without having seen No Country for Old Men. You can't you work doing? for me without having seen that film. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, Jeez, all right. Not start seen sending it. me some cash and we'll talk about what I can and can't <laughs> right, do. So... You know, you know what we were saying about me being that fifteen-year-old impressionable kid that wanted to be popular, and that guy gives me memento, and I went home and watched it. Did you get away. the No Country yeah. haircut? I, no, <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. And the thing is, is you can't even talk about the No Country haircut because you haven't seen the movie. Yeah, fuck so, you. Um, so, what I'm going to say to you, Sean Ferrick, is um, as soon as you're finished recording this podcast, um, because you work for What Culture now, you can pretty much just wake up whenever. Um, watch that movie. Watch it. Uh, it's to my bosses services. and editors at What Culture, no, I do in fact have a start time that I do start at every day. That's what your computer says, anyway. Um, and I will, <laughs> I will come to your house with a pressurized little thing, and I will oh. pop. No, 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 don't. No spoilers. No spoilers. Has been in so many things. You I have must seen have that seen that. Scene. Yeah. So, but Man, yes, nobody, just, nobody uh, tell me anything else. Uh, I have, no, I actually so have a book sitting around somewhere as well. I, it's I feel Javier like I can't, I, so GD I'm just talking to you for the rest of this podcast that's fair now, that's fair we'll uh, just, we can mute him actually if, if, fuck it I'm editing as far as as far as we're concerned <laughs> he doesn't appear in the rest of this episode this is my voice being heard for the first time so an hour and 13 in I'm sorry guys if the rest of the episode made absolutely no sense as they referred to a third person who was never there it's fine we won't refer to you um, so <laughs> I kind of I disagree a little bit with you, mate. Um, I I I do agree that it put a level of hype on the film and on his performance that naturally elevated it. However, it is still up there for me. I would still it's impossible to say I would definitely still yeah. love it, but I do still love his performance, and it is. The, the sucking, the way he enunciates every word, the most... I don't know where he pulled this performance from, but He, he it nicked is... it from Tom Waits. He, he nicked it from Tom Waits. Mm. So Tom Waits is this uh, Chicago... I think he's Chicagoian um, singer, actor, who literally sounds like his voice has been dipped in uh, an oak barrel and left there for 50 <laughs> years. He kind of sounds like... And he does the same ticks. I'll share a link with you, but he goes on a talk show in like the 70s and he's doing all the same mannerisms. Oh, that's awesome. lips. So, so yeah, kind of the thing is knowing that, you know, it wasn't that groundbreaking for me I would actually say this and you know I again it's just my opinion um, it's not I, I love Heath Ledger's Joker do not get me wrong okay this is like when you say oh uh, the prestige uh, being ranked in six means that you hate the prestige yeah. me saying what I'm about to say doesn't mean that I hate Heath Ledger's performance because I love it but um, Jack Nicholson's Joker is my favourite Joker because it takes the true essence of a madman who is also legitimately hilarious 
uh, and and does a better job. But Heath Ledger is never hilarious. Oh, he is. He makes that pen disappear. No. He makes no. that pen disappear into that man's head. It's and just that's really funny. Do you from us and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, the thing is, Watch I, me I make think this pen disappear. <laughs> I mean, watching watching that movie in in the cinema for the first time when that happened, when he sticks the pen in the ground, most people just went, <laughs> and it wasn't like, <laughs> it was, oh my god, that's a psycho. No, I um, laughed my ass off because he's just like, hey, voila, it's, it's oh man, it gets me every time. And when he's walking away from the hospital and he's like, click, 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 fucking click, boom. Uh, boom! One and of the, the way he hobbles away from it. I love it. This is one of I, I contributed to that uh, large box office. I saw it four times in the cinema. Uh, <laughs> it's also the first film I ever saw in IMAX, which I was like, mm. I happened to be in, I was staying with cousins in Boston. And they were like, oh, do you want to go see The Dark Knight? And I was like, oh, look, I've already seen it. Fuck we'll, yes. we'll, we'll go down the IMAX. Uh, sorry, come again. Um, this was before IMAX had landed in Ireland, or it had arrived. Flopped it's before, and before now cinema had landed in Ireland. I think. Well, we we got that moving talkie box in the corner, and I'm told you can have bigger <laughs> versions of that. Uh, it didn't and, produce uh, potatoes, so it didn't take off. Well, you you understand <laughs> me? You understand me? Yeah, Dunkirk was a failure. So oh, um, fight me, bitch. But I was uh, w- one of the times I went to see it. I was there with a girlfriend of mine. Yes, hold your laughter. And what? Uh, it yeah, was the scene he, where yeah. he. Bussy. Yeah, um, <laughs> Gamble brings in uh, his henchmen. Bring. I'm just talking over you. Gamble's henchmen bring in the body, and it, it's the why so serious scene. Yeah. And I, I think I'd seen it before. And I spent that entire scene thoroughly enjoying the increasing tension beside yeah. me. And it was just like because I know what's coming, and I know what you see and what you don't see. And yeah. I thought, oh, I get to experience almost immediately. I get to experience what I experienced the first time and I think what are the reasons Heath Heath Ledger would be my preferred live action Joker it's between him and Jared Leto uh, for my favourite live action Joker got the facial expressions I was looking for there lads thank you very much good 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 I mean you said his name wrong so that that was all I was offended by that's because Um, my my favourite actor Jared Leto wasn't in a DC film Okay. Good. We're agreed. Good 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 that's fine agreed. Agreed. So it's it's interesting though The, the thing is is I I'm not denying the you know it's an incredible performance Heath Ledger um, Heath Ledger's Joker it, it's I just think it kind of overshadows some other incredible performances in that movie uh, Gary Oldman is in that movie and yeah. nobody ever talks about Gary Oldman in The Dark Knight he is sensational yeah. in The Dark Knight um, um, oh God uh, the name's lost me Harvey Dent Aaron Eckhart, that's the best performance of his career. And he's done, he's been in some good films. He has pulled off some fantastic performances in his time. And he was absolutely amazing. Um, Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal, yeah. Maggie Gyllenhaal is absolutely With fantastic. With a tough job it. as well to follow. Yeah. Hmm. Michael Caine, who is just brilliant in everything. And uh, I think it's his best, I think that's the best Alfred we've ever seen on screen as well. Oh, it, it easily uh, my favourite iteration yeah. of Alfred, live yep. action for sure. Um, and Christian Bale just, you know, was fantastic in it, and in a his step stride, up from definitely a step up from what we saw. Looked very, very comfortable. Had gotten also to a comfortable weight as well, which I was happy with. Um, but the whole wrestling with, you know, the power, and you know, do I come out? Do I just let this guy, um, you know, become Gotham's White Knight? It's a brilliant, and it's all, you know, 
all everybody ever wants to talk about is just Heath Ledger. And, you know, it's, it's, we can dissect Heath Ledger's performance. You know, we are. We've dissected it. Yeah, we just accidentally over, did it. You know, um, and it's, there's a lot more to talk about. There's a lot more to appreciate. Um, we haven't even talked about the performances from Dunkirk, which were also absolutely just they're, top They tip. are phenomenal. They're top-notch. But they're given, uh, Memento is much more about the overall story and I think what was achieved. There are some standout there are some standout performances but Michael I think we broke Ian so Memento why? is a great film but it was number four oh, on the for list fuck's sake. did I say Memento <laughs> why it's is fine, that film would you like in a break Ian would you like to take a few seconds no, to this compose final yourself? may as well be Memento versus The Dark Knight Rises <laughs> you're both looking at me like I fucking split my lips open and do, didn't do, know why. Do, there, is, there is another version want... of this episode which is Memento versus The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. <laughs> Over my burning corpse. <laughs> and then fade to there black is, and um, then to Michael. There is one thing that I do want to say really quickly though is um, I remember when they announced Harry Styles. They announced Harry Styles was going to be in Dunkirk and uh, you know I think most people rightfully just kind of went stunt oh, casting. You know yeah stunt casting right but guess what guess what very, really very good. good. I really, didn't. I very, did not have good. a problem with it because I was like, you know what? I trust Nolan to not do a stunt casting, and I will, I'll watch the film and I'll see what happens. And he does fine. He doesn't blow my socks off, but he does perfectly fine. The fact that it's a bit understated does him mm. credit, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I just I, I remember being very. I don't remember going into that film going. I, Harry Styles better die in it or something stupid like that because I'm not really like that but uh, I remember being like okay so that's going to get a bit of a different demographic in for this movie yeah. I don't remember seeing uh, many weeping young women in you know the cinema yeah. um, but no it was, it was a good performance very understated like you say Ian um, but some other performances in there as well I mean Mark Rylance being in a Nolan film I'd love to see Mark Rylance in another Nolan film at some so I was only talking to my dad about this last week, right? And we were talking about Dunkirk and Bridge of Spies. Mm. And I know Mark Rylance obviously is in many things, but the, these two films stand out. And my dad made the point, and I couldn't argue with him. He's like, yeah, he's very good. Plays the exact same character and everything you see him in, but he's very good. <laughs> but that's what he does. I mean, I would argue uh, that he didn't play the same character in Dunkirk that he played in the BFG. <laughs> well, like, aesthetically... Amazing. But actually, funny enough, my dad did <laughs> did mention the BFG. He just kind I'd of went, win. well, yeah, it was that kind of quiet, you know, <laughs> stiff upper lip-ish ish yeah. was the BFG. Um, but, uh, yeah, and because I, I, I remember wanting more. I don't know. I, I, I want more of the, them on the boat, definitely. I want less on the mole and more on the sea. Nice, tur- nice turnaround of what I was saying, but I thought, I think... I would agree with you to a point, but there wasn't enough to give us more. There wasn't enough reason to... No, to no, do you know no. what I mean? Well, I, t- uh, well, I tell you what, we, we talk about Mike Rylance... Uh, Mike... Mike Rylance? Mark Rylance playing the same guy over and over again, but his his next movie role is coming up, and he's going to be in a Terrence Malick movie called The Last Planet, and he's playing Satan. So that's <laughs> going to be different. <laughs> nah, I reckon, I reckon they play Satan really low-key. And he's just exactly the same. Who like, hasn't oh, yeah. played Satan Nailed at this it. point? We're off to Dunkirk. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, Satan? You heard me. <laughs> Not today, Satan. Can I tempt you? Uh, hey, Antichrist. Beelzebub. <laughs> My boy. 
Oh dear! Right, we haven't right, got any so closer to the, winning. The, the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight, Dark Knight wins performance. Uh, it does. We had a good chat could, about it, but performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of our concerns are valid, but Heath, Heath Ledger does get it for performance. Oh, he, he, he does. Even he if does, it's not Heath Ledger, you're going to pick somebody else from the Dark Knight. I think. Um, he, I, I found a, a, yeah, Gary Oldman. I'd happily give it to him. Wait a minute. Um, I I would give it to him too. He's a good looking dude. And he could pretty much look you're both wrong. you want him to. He would give it to you. Yeah, you're not <laughs> wrong there. Um, I found a slight problem with my marking system here. So score, Dunkirk one. So I put a little D. Performance, Dark Knight one. I put a little D. So this is completely arbitrary. I ain't keeping count of shit. Um, best director. Dunkirk. Which is That's, the better I'm, directed film? I'm, thro- I'm throwing out for direction. I think Dunkirk has it. Uh, sorry, just to talk over both of you. Um, I feel it does more. It's a director who learned a lot of lessons. I think Dark Knight, we can all think without even straining the fantastic set pieces in Dark Knight, which are incredible. Hong Kong alone, if it wasn't yeah, up against Dunkirk, would walk it. That's, I think the variation of the dark knight is why i would give it to the dark knight because dunkirk uh i mean this is this is i mean it's it's one and it's one a again isn't it yeah um you know the 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 direction in dunkirk is absolutely flawless the way um he's telling stories at different times and how they intersect is is absolutely brilliant i think that's more of a storytelling rather than an actual direction um and and i guess you know when we talk about direction we're also talking about the way he's directing the actors as well and the performances that he's getting and motivating in the dark knight as well as his ability to you know pick the right shots and compose fantastic action scenes in the dark knight is the reason why i would give it to the dark knight just just that so i think the dark knight has more to do i think you're absolutely right there's more variety and i think the level of difficulty is higher because there's more there's a, a more complex a much 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 longer film that you're putting together with loads and loads of different story layers and levels um and you like i said you've got to pull these very abstract performances out of people i i, I think he executes it almost perfectly and i think dunkirk is easier but is executed perfectly uh, and he's pulling performances out of deliberately a lot of the cast that they aren't they weren't actors or they were actors they were very very new to acting he's mm. he's pulling performances out of them or allowing them to not perform and just be really really natural like we, we've said before the film was almost scriptless to get that really raw panicked feeling um yeah like the IMAX yeah yeah but for very very different reasons um the the direction of the spitfire scenes alone wins it for me and i know that's where we cross a little bit into cinematography but the vision of of all of the scenes um there's just like little strokes of genius it comes from the trailer again you've got all of the helmets that are on the beach and you hear a tiny tiny little whine and one helmet turns up the wine gets louder and a few more helmets turn up, then a few more helmets and a few more helmets. It, there are so many bone-chilling moments in Dunkirk. Um, mm. I, I think it just, just, just fractionally wins it for me, but I think you could, depending on which way the wind was blowing, I could, probably depending on which film I'd seen more recently, that's the one that wins direction. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, I think there's, 
I think there's a case to be made uh, for, for both, and it's, it's, this is why it's so difficult to make a decision. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Dark Knight simply because oh, I just think, fair. I mean, we, we, we've got a majority now here, um, so I'm just being difficult. Um, but I, I think... I, I do like the point that you made, though, about getting fantastic performances from a relatively inexperienced cast mm. as well, uh, which can... I mean, if, if you got, you know, if you give this movie to anybody else, uh, to a, to a second-rate director, they're going to really struggle to inspire uh, some of these young men, and they act out of their skin. They really um, do, really. And, uh, you know, the ability to organise these set pieces as well. You know I mean, you're, you're, watching, you're watching sequences in Dunkirk, and uh, you know, I, I think part of the reason why you're gripping the seat so much is because you that immersion just takes you to the next level. You don't feel that you're in the cinema anymore. You've, you're actually on the beach with them. Yeah. And uh, you know, in terms of a of a movie sucking you into that universe, Dunkirk does it way better than The Dark Knight because you know you're watching a superhero movie, and you know that's all down to just brilliant top tier level direction from Nolan. I think as well of the. <sighs> Dark Knight is quite rightfully held up quite often as one of the best superhero movies, certainly one of the best um, comic book movies that has yet been produced. Um, And I feel that if Nolan had retired after The Dark Knight, he like we would remember him as, you know, this great, fantastic auteur who just, you know, made a couple of fantastic movies. He just got better and better and better. And, Dunkirk is, from a direction standpoint, potentially his masterpiece. Mm. It's tight in a way that The Dark Knight isn't, and I know some of that comes down to editing. It is it is a cinematic experience more so than The Dark Knight is, whereas The Dark Knight has more of a story than yeah, Dunkirk. Yeah, I would does. say I would say the you know The Dark Knight is a long movie, um, but it never feels like there's much wasted material no. in it um, it's almost it, like it, it would make a good miniseries as well yeah it, i mean i i don't mind watching long movies mm. and uh you know that when you're watching a good long movie the time just absolutely flies absolutely, yeah. um you know and i i just feel that you know some of the, some of the sequences that he put together you know in shot using imax cameras watching that for the first time you know in 2008 the the moment that truck flips in the air. Oh man, alive! I love as well you know, with, with the truck. Um, it's so good. Once because one of the great marketing tools was here's how we did that. Uh, because I remember seeing how they did that before I saw the film, and so you see it warts and all because you see how the the for want of a better word the piston that comes out the yeah. back of it to flip the truck over. Yeah. There is not a cloud in the sky that night, but you can see all the clouds coming out the back. They left it, and yet you are (laughs) not taken out of the scene every single time, whether you're watching it on, say, you know, say a streaming uh, service, so you'd be watching it on your phone screen, maybe, or whether you're watching it on a nice TV screen. Every time, I always get... There it goes. <laughs> Little yeah. giggle. Little giggle. It used to be something that my grandfather used to say to me. is like, if you know how it's done, it loses the magic. And Nolan is the person that taught me that, no. No, oh, no he I will show that. you exactly how it's done yeah. and you'll still fucking you know, for it. I mean, I know we're not talking about it, but the, the corridor fight sequence in Inception, you know, oh. seeing how they did it, made me appreciate it even more. It's so because good. It was so hard to do in a yeah. way, and they did it. in a way. Just to you know, we're, we're we're all Trek family here. In a way, one of the reasons I like some of the earlier original series films is they film with real animatronics, and yeah. I that to me 
brings me into the film mm-hmm. slightly more. There's some wonderful CGI well, there now. Don't get me wrong. It adds it adds weight yes. and um, it it makes things tangible. It does. It makes yeah. you know it makes it believable because it's not being digital. And and the one thing that we've not really talked about with Tenet is and one of my biggest praises of it is it doesn't. It, it really it don't think it uses any cgi at all and it tries to keep things i i think he's gotten obsessed with not using special effects now yeah. um but i i love the fact that he can make these films where everything just feels you know organic it's not hyper edited either there's not this super cut shaky cam born supremacy stuff going on oh. he likes to choreograph a an action scene and let it happen um have you guys? Have you guys seen? Sorry to interrupt. Have you guys seen Tom Hanks's recent um, war movie at sea? Have you guys no. seen? What's it, was it called in, again? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I'm Wikipedia. Help me out here. Uh, it's called Greyhound. No. Um, it was uh, released on Apple TV Plus, which is a ridiculous name for a streaming service. Um, <laughs> but Plus? watch the tra- watch the <laughs> watch the trailer. Um, the special effects are rubbish. Are rubbish. Oh, okay. And um and you know, it really just kind of takes you out of it because it's like, you know, you can do better yeah, with special of course effects. You can. Um, you know, or you could just do what Christopher Nolan did three years earlier and just use the real thing. Yeah. Get some Plenty of boats out there. Yeah. I feel I feel um, like now this is just because there's a whole episode in what we're saying now, but just really quickly really on that. I'm not. I'm not sure whether it's a time versus cost versus productivity thing because it takes time to build these sets and it will look amazing and we will rightfully be talking about them years later, like the corridor scene. You're you're exactly right. We still talk about that now because Joseph Gordon-Levitt really is falling down that corridor. It's incredible, and you know the there are scenes where it's supposed to blow our mind. It's like yeah, but you did that in MS Paint. Yeah, that's it. The problem is when when you make the model, you invariably have to blow it up, or even worse, just dismantle it after the movie's finished, um, which is a bit crushing. So that was narrowly. Um, I, I think we're going to call that a draw. I think they both get best direction, which is no surprise I, considering it's the same director. I would give it. I, I, I mean, you both went with Dunkirk. I would say you I both went disagree. With I, I think no numbers over smarts on this one. Um, it will be it will be Dunkirk. Okay, uh, Dunkirk gets yeah. direction. Dark Knight okay, did a fine. bloody good job. I think it's you know why is he so good? Recognize greatness, Dunkirk. Uh, you know, it, it, but the thing is, is I think it's going to be the same with all of these categories. Ian is the every single one is going to be hard. So and it's going to be one and one A. Yeah. Oh well, actually no, because the cinematography in Dunkirk is just so- terrible. We're on it's next. We are on to cinematography, and I think that is a walk in the park for Dunkirk. I mean, the cinematography in The Dark Knight is also absolutely it, it's fantastic, it's but I don't think it's beating Dunkirk. I think the fact that they filmed more um, on 65mm IMAX camera for Dunkirk means that it probably wins because yeah. there's just more that you can it's, do with it's IMAX. I think Dark um, Knight, um, one of the things that makes. The Dark Knight possibly more immediately rewatchable is it has a lot more smaller scenes than Dunkirk does, but that automatically takes away from the cinematography a little bit when we talk about, say, the Hong Kong scene versus the Spitfire scenes. They, I could nearly go they're equal in terms of cinematography, but then in Dark Knight you have a good hour and a half of people talking in rooms, 
Whereas in Dunkirk, the entire experience is, we'll get to the script. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I, I do want to say, I mean, it is, it is Dunkirk for me again. Um, I think, you know, I, I was talking about my love of Wally Pfister. Uh, great name, by the way. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I think that Nolan bringing on Hoyt Van Hoytma is probably the greatest upgrade of your stable talent in the history of cinema. Now, Hoyt Van Hoytma, um, you just look at his cinematography resume. Um, Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, ah. The Fighter, Her, Spike Jones's Her, which is one of my favourite movies. Did he do of that? All okay, time. yeah. Uh, yeah, Spectre, Sam Mendes Spectre, which is probably, you know, it's uh, not the best Bond movie, but one of the best looking Bond movies. Um, Ad Astra as well, absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous movie. He, this man is an artist. He makes beautiful, beautiful movies. And uh, Dunkirk was another beautiful Dunkirk movie. is. So is Interstellar, which he also did. He now, did. I, will, I, will be the first, I will hold up my hand and say, I could blame the cinema I was in for this one. I didn't love how Tenet looked I didn't love how it, I didn't um, think it was as clear as some of the other ones and I'd, I'll take away the IMAX of it I'd, like IMAX aside I, you know, I, I think it was a it was it was probably the greyest movie uh, Nolan's ever made mm. um, which I guess when you're coming off of a film like Dunkirk where everything's blue and watery yeah. and flames and sandy beaches um, yeah Tenet did Tenet was definitely more muted mm. uh, on this one but I, I think maybe that might have been an intentional decision I, um, been, I feel yeah. because it was so big that didn't really work if that was intentional now, as I say, there could, I could have just been looking at a dirty screen. So I would love to know, anyone who's listening, did anybody no, no, else feel, I, I, like, Michael, did you feel this way or did anybody else feel this way when they were watching the film? Did they just kind of go like, I kind of feel like, you know, Chris, you should have done this better. I should be able to see it better than yeah, I'm seeing I, it. Yeah, but I felt that about the whole film. Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel, I mean, we. I know what Hoyt Van Hoytma can do in terms of his ability to make a film mm. pop. Um, I mean, and her is probably my favourite movie for integrating colour into yeah, into fantastic. film. Um, just just absolutely beautiful. And Ad Astra, the crispness of space, and telling a, a very you know a, a very intimate family story in the void of space is just is wonderful. Um, made some storytelling. Uh, had some interesting things in it, but that's just, I guess that's an episode for another time. Uh, yeah, Tenet, I, I feel like Tenet was a decision to make a film that lacked the, you know, it was a down and dirty spy movie. It could have been better, but um, <coughs> in terms of, you know, what we're talking about here, Dunkirk, um, the cinematography is just absolutely stellar, but I still like what Wally did with The Dark Knight. Um, some very, very clever, um, you know, the playing off the concepts of light versus darkness, uh, you know, just... Um, intentional colour palette in the movie as well. It's, it, you know, they're both very yeah, good. It's just one and one Comparing eight. two impossible films, aren't we? Yeah. Until we get to the screenplay, um, which I think is a bit unfair, um, unless you commend him for the lack of a screenplay. Um, but I think the way The Dark Knight is written is phenomenal. It's There are so many iconic bits of dialogue in this film. And throughout the, band, the Batman trilogy... So the thing is for me is, you know, and, and this is uh, one of my favourite sayings is uh, simplicity is the ultimate form of elegance. And um, a lot of people, not a lot of people, I remember having conversations with people that were criticising Dunkirk for 
um, being a very quiet movie in dialogue and not char- you know, and, and be very, very light on characterization. It's a fucking war film. Yeah. And, and not only is it a war film, you're dropped in the middle of conflict. You're not going to, you know, this isn't Hollywood. You're not going to have, hey, man, so what are you doing? You got a girl back home? Well, they're British anyway, yeah. French, so you're not really going to get that crap American accent. Um, yes, so, we're married. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I feel like it's kind of unfair to compare the two because Dunkirk, like Tenet being, you know, the the way it is visually, is, is very intentionally quiet. It's basically a silent movie yeah you're not going to get these um, big bombastic characters yeah, it's, um, it's, it's not they, me- they wouldn't fit in yeah it, it's not meant to have the better script like for me this is easy dark knight is a better screenplay but that's not a criticism on dunkirk it wasn't meant to have a better screenplay yeah. it is exactly what it's meant but, to be i feel i feel like the the dialogue that we do get though is it, it's just it just all belongs in there there's no there's it's, not it's a wasted line there's, it's just pure economy of, of dialogue in it. You know, every line that Tom Hardy says has intent <laughs> is in there because it has to be in there. And what they say, particularly in those dogfighting sequences, elevates the intensity of the yeah. scenes. I think uh, it's you know, just the fuel gauge. <laughs> yeah. Well, even when even when they're talking about calculating fuel yeah. consumption rates, and you're just like, I'm actually really interested in this. Christopher Nolan makes talking about fuel. Miles per gallon is fascinating. Um, it's brilliant. It's like, are you sure that's the time? Well, fuck. Right, <laughs> let's take a little note on the chalkboard. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I I mean, you guys you guys know it and and I know it. But the Dark Knight, you know, the the amount of just just brilliant and and not having actually read the screenplay, I, I don't know how much kind of direction is in that screenplay. Um, but just looking at the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, un- knowing the dialogue from the scenes, um, it's just it's just fantastic. It's a screenplay it's I'd fantastic. happily read. I think I'd just read it cover yeah. to cover. I, I, I feel um, as well. I, I think you've you've both made the, you've probably made the argument at this point. But with with Dunkirk, every piece of emotion that you get, you get from what you're just seeing and experiencing, which is incredible. Yeah. With the Dark Knight, a part of that is the context that you hear as well in the words um which is sean the exact bloody point of having a script but it does it so well you know them words just, are really important they, 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 them words I, I should think words are important otherwise i've chosen a terrible career um <laughs> but uh i uh, one one a but i think for me it will always come back to the story and I feel there's a more compelling story in Dark Knight. But again, not a criticism on Dunkirk. Yeah, Dunkirk no, not at all. does exactly and, what and it needs it's to do. It's a shame, though. It's a shame, though, that we have to keep saying I know, saying right? It's like, it's, it's, it's not... Yeah. We're picking one or the other. It's and the I, I also want to... You know, the, the fact that we're kind of... You know, at the moment, you're, you're ticking some boxes based on criteria. I mean, my favourite movie might take that criteria and chuck it out the window. Because... You know, mm. movies aren't necessarily the sum of their parts. Oh, absolutely not. No, definitely not. Because there um, are great movies the... with a bad one of these. Do you know what or I mean? Or a that... bad several of these, yeah. absolutely. Um, but it does help frame the discussion a little bit. Um, I think we could have discussed about our favourite bits of each movie. Um, and it probably would have been just as enjoyable, to be honest. Um, we've kind of... We kind of hit all of it. Um, Dunkirk does have more categories, but why am I reluctant to give it the win? 
Um, because I think The Dark Knight is Nolan's best I, movie. Yeah, and I think I agree. I would agree, and I think, and it's one of those. I'm happy that it's that 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 we're in this position. I think there are there yeah. are films of his that have better scripts. There are films of his that look better, but there's no other film in his um, repertoire that has everything the way that Dark Knight has it. Yeah, I think it's the I think it that an inception of the two films he's going to be remembered for, but I think Dark Knight is the epitome of an iconic film. It, it will be remembered. I just want to say here the you know the Dark Knight in in my humble opinion is the greatest comic book and superhero movie of all time and I think it probably always will be um just because of its maturity and you know what it does with the source material while still being very respectful to that source material Dunkirk is probably the greatest war movie of all time as well now i know that there's i made this argument go, as well well yeah. well i mean um you know name name a better war movie you know um one the one i mean name a war movie that will have you clawing your plastic cinema chair and even when you're at home three years later watching it and you feel you're gonna have a panic attack yeah. and you've literally got to take calms before you watch the movie yeah. um there aren't many war films that do it you know you could say that the first 20 minutes are saving private ryan um but that's like an obliteration of your senses <laughs> and it's showing you warts and all the horror yeah. of war this leaves a lot to your imagination and uh, and dunkirk you know if if the dark knight is nolan's best movie then dunkirk is 1a once again yeah. uh closely followed by every other movie yeah, that annoyingly with, we'll with have except- to for for a future series and michael i hope you'll join us again because i've massively enjoyed this discussion with you this evening. Oh, not only because we all bloody agreed with each other so much, so that made it quite pleasant. Pretty much. But, um, well, I think we, we, we did disagree, we did disagree with, with each other on quite a lot of stuff, or, which I like. There, was, there like. was plenty of times we managed to gang up on Ian, and that was, that was the important bit, in my opinion. But hmm. it would be interesting now to find a director, and I'm sure there are many, with great bodies of work that have a less consistent... Um, run of hits the way Nolan has had and I can think of several yeah. off the top of my head I mean like Spielberg who is a fantastic director there's a whole series in what he does well and what he doesn't do well Coppola um, you know th- things like that Nolan this would be my closing point Nolan is one of the greatest directors alive today um, yes I think Tenet is nothing close to his best work Will I be first in line to see his next film? If I'm yes. not, it's because somebody <laughs> bloody got there before me. That's that's yeah. it. I think yeah. he 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 has earned he has earned a couple of duds. Tenet is by no means a dud, well, then, but he's earned a couple if they were coming. Well, that's that's the thing. I think Tenet, you know, is still going to be one of the better movies of the year. Yeah, it will which, be. Which, you know, which yeah. says it. I mean, but the thing is, is I I I love. And we all agreed on this when we when we had our conversation about that was the audacity that he has, the freedom that he's given, and very crucially, the budget that he's afforded to make these high concept original pieces of blockbuster slash art house entertainment 
is it should hopefully give hope to the next generation of auteurs that, that they feel that they can you know they might have to eat some shit they might have to make some insomnias <laughs> but if they can do that and if they can you know maintain a, a consistent level of quality they will be entrusted with the keys of the kingdom nolan has earned it and uh, you know okay tenet you know isn't up to the standard that we've been completely blessed with for the last two decades uh and and i'm sure he's gonna bounce back and you know you said it sean i'm gonna be there opening night uh probably stood with you bickering again about what was better dunkirk or the dark knight <laughs> oh no it turns out it depends we'll, we'll send ian to get popcorn and we'll both go yeah but it was memento yeah yeah right. <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> you motherfuckers. <laughs> no nope 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 so my 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 personal favorite is dunkirk it will always it gives me all the feelings. It, if I if I want an emotional reaction, that's the one. That's what I'll have. But The Dark Knight is... It's the better movie. It's the harder movie to pull off. It's more iconic. It is the Batman. I think it's it's also, you know, one, one of the things that we should have probably added in as a category is how easy is it to kind of pick up and watch it? Now, Dunkirk, yeah. all three of us would go, could quite happily watch Dunkirk all the time after taking some drugs and, you know, relaxing a bit. Am I ready the for Dark Knight, The Dark Knight is a movie that you could just pick up. Doesn't matter what mood you're in. Uh, you know, I need a hug after Dunkirk. Yeah. Oh, um, but, but The Dark Knight... I'm, I'm, I probably need a hug as well after certain sequences. You guys know what it is. But, um, yeah, rewatchability, uh, The Dark Knight. But it was hard. It was a hard really, decision really hard. to make. The, uh, the Dunkirk. The Dark Knight is my pizza movie. It is. I'm having a takeaway tonight. I don't know what to put on. I'm going to be entertained. Let's put The Dark Knight on. Um, mm. Yeah, it's... Um, I'm really Whereas glad. Sean and I, Sean and I just put momentum. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you we'll can like, both be wrong. This is amazing. This is great. I won't be sitting there. You know, a few drinks in, pizzas arrived, gone. This was a terrible idea. I have to sit up and listen. <laughs> oh, just give me the Joker. Oh, it's settled what for I've the scarecrow. Is... <laughs> what I've learned is that I can throw a rock and find an idiot um, on this podcast episode. <laughs> Um, so I guess that's it. That's the finale of the the Nolan the Nolan series. Um, we picked Nolan to go through because we he has such a solid track record, um, and no way because he had a film coming out uh, oh, pretty much bang in the middle of when we were recording. Time for tenet. <laughs> tenet time. Um, but I am really happy with that list. I think we've had um, very passionate discussion. Um, I would love to have seen Dunkirk win, but in my heart of hearts, it is, it is The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I think it's much better than Sean's list as well. Michael. Ian, what are you being paid by the marketing The Dark Knight Rises! No! The Dark Knight wins. Michael, right, welcome okay. to an Englishman and an Irishman where there can be one Englishman because the other one is is working for Warner Brothers. <laughs> Yeah. So the I I, I want to say guys that um I absolutely have loved being on the show. I love the format. I love the chaos. It is. And uh, like I said like I said at the beginning, I think, you know, um the best film critic duos have been the ones that fiercely debate movies, not the ones that get on and agree with everything. Yeah. So what you've got here is amazing and uh I would love 
to uh, to come on and uh, and guest on another episode in the future of it's your hand. You are absolutely absolute more than welcome back. Um, thank you for helping us decide that Memento is the winner. Um, it's well <laughs> deserved. Um, I think it's really disappointing that we didn't get a chance to rank the to rank the prestige at any point, but I'm sure we'll get that on the next time round. What's that film? I've not heard of that film. What's that film? Uh, um, no, thank you. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad we came to some sort of bizarre agreement. The Dark Knight wins. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. Where can the world find you and your glorious, glorious hairy face? Wow, okay, so no script for this, so here we go. Um, thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TrekLad, where I mostly talk about Star Trek, but I also talk about other sci-fi wonders and movies from time to time. I'm also on YouTube at TrekLad. You can find me there, where I pretty much do the same thing, but in video form. I also have a couple of podcasts. Uh, so I have Networking on Nimbus Free, the Star Trek community podcast, where I meet and learn more about the wonderful people that make up the heartbeat of the Star Trek fan community, the fans themselves, and uh, every so often I get together with a wonderful creature called Dan Decker, and we talk about Star Trek from start to finish, that podcast is called Two to Tanagra um, yeah, so come and find me there's a lot going on. Michael, you are an absolute inspiration in the Star Trek community you are so engaging we love having you we will definitely have you back again Sean, is there anything you would like to say to Michael before we get him off our show? I would. Just, you know this. <laughs> I would climb you like a tree, Michael. Okay, um, that's brilliant. No, it's um. been... Uh, we, 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 knew, we knew quite early on. Like, we knew who we wanted. If we could get you, we knew who we wanted to have in the finale. Uh, delighted you agreed to come on. Um, delighted you agreed with me. Is really the most important <laughs> thing. And uh, we'll have our own separate little affair. But um, thank you. No, thank you very much. Appreciate it, man. And I, I, oh. I agree with Ian's sentiments. Uh, you're, you're, you're good people. Dear, dear listeners, uh, we're we're all having sex after this. This is happening this is, from afar. This is it. But it's fine. Timey wimey <laughs> things will happen, and the mechanics of a Nolan film means it can all happen, and it already has happened. Or do you know what's going to happen? Is that what happens with me every time I have sex? I'll start at the end. Uh, <laughs> well. Uh, I guess at least one of where, you gets to finish. Where, nice. where do we go from there? You, we go okay. to bed do immediately. Shower, and usually. With, without Sean. Um, right, this has been an Englishman and an Irishman and a Trek lad go to the movies. You'll find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Twitter and Facebook is at English Irish GTM. We're also on YouTube, um, an Englishman and an Irishman. We have a website that I am not going to cock up the name of. It is an Englishman and an Irishman .wordpress.com. Yes! Nailed it. The Dark Knight Rises. Got it in one. Brilliant. Instagram. I've pretty much taken over that, so it's just going to be pictures of me and my microphone. Um, and yes, that is what you think it is. Until next time, we're not even going to tell you what we're doing next time, partly because we haven't decided. Thank you for sticking with us, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. I'm the only one that's going to say goodbye. You selfish... Bye! 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 Love you! Thank God I'm editing this week.